Hey, turn in your, uh, your Bibles to the book of Mark. We're in the book of Mark, chapter 4. Chapter 4. Who's running the cameras up there, Mark? <laughs> Get ready to work. <laughs> oh, boy, Mark chapter 4. We're talking about the parable of the sower. And folks, let me tell you how relevant that is to us today. Uh, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, okay? It, it's, a cult, it's cultural features, if you will, particulars of a culture that have applied a divine message in those features. That's a parable. Now, Jesus was a different teacher altogether. There's none of us could say anything different. Master teacher. And many came to hear him. Now, let me preface something here because we've been saying this all along, most people were drawn to him by the miracles, by the healings, by the exorcisms. I want to see this guy do that. I want to be healed by that guy. I just want to see it from my own eyes. So that's true. But there were many that came to hear him because we see in Scripture that they were astonished. They were amazed in how he spoke. Wow, he speaks with authority. This is a new teaching altogether. So Jesus has already begun to speak in parables in the book of Mark. We know this from last week. This parable, though, was key to understanding all of the other parables. This one was key. Now, the book of Mark, along with the other Gospels, provides several examples of Jesus' teaching in parables. So to those who are hard-hearted, uh, they are a warning. For a hardened heart, it's a warning. Uh, for those to, who are open-hearted, they are illustrative principles of God's rule through Jesus Christ. He gives us a story, but the story has a corresponding and intentional message. Now, today's parables are going to demonstrate that we are both culpable and responsible to the intended message in this story. Now, how can I make such a claim about responsibility and culpability? Well, because in this story, the four types, uh, soil types that we're going to talk about, they're actually four conditions of the heart. And these hearts, they will require a response. That's why I can say that. Four different responses will be given to hearing the Word. And to prove this further... Let me prove it further. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That is those with responsive hearts versus those who are unresponsive. So the parable of the sower is the subject matter. Now, we're going to read the parable together as it was heard then and there. And we're going to see the twelve seek out Jesus and ask him about this parable, just like we would probably do. Now, he's going to explain the meaning to them as he explains the meaning to us. Now, we need to address something, though. We need to address those who see but do not perceive. We need to address those who hear but do not understand the bad soil in contrast to the good soil. And the good soil, church family, is relevant it is relevant in the believer's daily walk. That's you, that's me. And I'm talking about our heart condition. 
So what is the condition of your heart when it comes to allowing God's Word to penetrate it? Do you hear and do, producing results, or are you hearers only? Because there is a required response to the Word of God. There is a required response. So if you look in your Bibles, let's look at Mark 4, 1 through 9. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, "'Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away.'" Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So there is the parable that was told to all of those. And the sea we're talking about, of course, is the Sea of Galilee where Jesus will be many times. But this great crowd gathered at the sea. They followed him, and they, this is a massive crowd, folks. And it's interesting, most likely, this is the same boat that Jesus got in in the previous chapter, you know, where he was being surrounded by so many people that they were just trying to touch him, and they were fearing that he'd be crushed, so they put him in a boat. It could be the very same boat. But what happened is they put him in a boat, and they pulled him out a little bit. Now, I'm impressed by this because God invented sound. God created sound. So God would know how best to use sound. But do you realize that if you're put on a boat and you're pulled out a little ways, that that water is going to carry your voice even more? It's like a natural PA system. God knew exactly what he was doing. So Jesus is on this boat pulled out a little bit so that he could see everybody and address them and be heard. And his teaching... He's teaching many things in parables, Scripture tells us. And in this teaching, though, he says, listen, which means pay attention. You better hear what I'm about to say. So as the sower sowed, the seed fell on four different types of soil. That's what Jesus is telling them. There were three that failed based on their types and circumstances that are presented. Three failed. Um, there's a path a hard-impacted path where the birds swept down and ate the seed because it didn't germinate. It didn't go into the dirt. It's right there on the top. It was snatched away by birds. There was rocky ground. There wasn't, a, there wasn't much soil, so there wasn't much depth. So no roots could really take hold. So when the elements kicked in, it withered. It couldn't withstand it because there was just nothing to hold those roots, nothing to feed that plant. Thorns. The thorns, this plant grew with the thorns, but it, they were choked out. There was competition. There was a lack of light. There was lack of nourishment. And these thorns choked the plants out. They weren't able to produce. It's interesting, though, if you look at the progression of this, you have one heart that never germinates. 
You have one that germinates but dies. You have one that germinates, grows, but does not produce. It's like each one's getting a little bit better until we get to the good soil. The good soil is what we want, church family. This is soil that produces. It's soil that increases. It's soil uh, that, that, that has what we call a yield, okay? It's normal growth. It was successful. It was possible to grow in this soil. So this would have made perfect sense to the people because farming was prevalent in this area, and these soil types would have been known as well. This was nothing new to them. Jesus was using everyday features, particulars of their community, of their culture in this story. So the focus and the interpretation of this story was all about the four different soils and their different responses to the seed. That is what we're talking about. But then Jesus says something like this. We'll hear this again. He says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. As a kid, I remember going, God, that's so obvious. I hear with my ears. I see with my eyes. I smell with my nose. But that's not what it means at all. See, this speaks to the listener discerning and applying the attended meaning of the parable to themselves. Them hearing these words and discovering the meaning within the words and then looking within to see, hey, which of these soil types describes my life? That is what was supposed to happen. That's what's supposed to be happening with you and I right now. Not everyone has ears to hear, folks. Not everyone has ears to hear. There are those who will not benefit from this parable. Even those following Jesus, including the twelve, asked him about the parables that were taught that day. They sought him out and said, Jesus, explain this. Now, I don't know exactly what they were asking about. Some of the questions could have been, hey, Jesus, what is the meaning of this particular parable? They could have been asking, hey, Jesus, what is the reason that you're teaching by parables at all? Or it could have been, hey, can you tell us about the relationship between these parables and, of course, the kingdom of God that you keep talking about? Is there a relationship? Well, let's look at our next section of uh, reading because we're going to begin to discover purpose. And purpose is going to help us in answering these questions that, again, we speculate, but that they could have been asking about with these parables. So let's look at purpose, Mark 4, 10 through 13. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven." And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Jesus distinguished two audiences in this text. Two audiences. You have your insiders and you have your outsiders. Okay? Insiders are those who are there with Jesus, especially the twelve I'm always going to bring them up. This group is given revelation. 
they are given specific revelation. They are given insight into the content of Jesus' parables. They are uh, getting the truth that, re- that are revealed in secrets. That truth is being revealed by God to them. That's the insiders. The outsiders are getting only the parable itself, what we read in the very beginning. They're getting the parable itself. They have no access to privileged information about God's kingdom. So I want to establish something, inside and outside, okay? And, you know, there was a great discussion that a teacher and student had. Um, the, The student asked the teacher once, why was it that so few people understood Jesus? That's what he asked his teacher. And the student went on to say, listen, the Pharisees and the scribes, uh, they constantly opposed him. His disciples, his own disciples, they often seemed confused by his teaching. Um, And what about the others? For instance, others suggested that he was possessed with demons. You remember last week. He's casting out demons by demon, being demonic, right? And and even his own family feared for his mental health. We talked about that last week too. Why is is Jesus so misunderstood? And I kept saying that. I told you they couldn't understand Jesus or his ministry. Well, the teacher replied with something brilliant. Let me tell you this quick little story. He says, once there was a wedding couple who brought in the finest fiddlers and the finest banjo players to entertain their guests immediately after the ceremony. It was a beautiful wedding ceremony, and then they all dismissed outside, and there was this awesome band with captivating music. And the music was so captivating, by the way, that soon everyone, young and old alike, began to dance. The people flung their bodies first one way, and then they were flinging them the other, and the church was filled with joy as everybody danced to this music. It was a sight. Well, two men were driving by. One had just purchased a brand new luxury automobile, and he was taking his friend out for a drive, and they drove by the church building in this new car, but their windows, see, their windows of the sedan, that was rolled up. The windows were rolled up tight, and they were blowing that car radio, and oh, it was blaring. They could not hear a single sound from outside of the automobile. So when they saw people jumping around and dancing, they stopped the car, just shaking their heads at this sight. What a bunch of weirdos. Look at them. The driver said to his companion, see how they fling themselves about? I tell you, the folks that go to this church are crazy. Well, the teacher paused And he looked at his student after finishing his story, and he said this. He goes, that is the conclusion that people draw when they cannot hear the music to which others are dancing. We do this all the time. We draw a conclusion to how people are acting, how they're dancing to music which others are dancing that we can't hear. And it's important because the only way to understand what the Lord is doing in His church is to be in His church. I can't stop my car out there and go, boy, Grace Grace Fellowship, you guys are a bunch of weirdos, because I don't know what music you're dancing to. I can't hear it. I'm from the outside looking in. But insiders are looking out, and they hear the music. They know what they're dancing to. So I know these verses here are actually kind of difficult. 
Hey, listen, interpreters are divided to their meeting. Their meaning. It's been, it's been a long uh, combative history. Uh, these verses are difficult because did you really, did you think about it? Did Jesus really speak in parables to hide the kingdom from those outside? According to the context, yes and no. Now, I know that's a horrible answer to give you, a yes and no, but it's the truth. It is veiled. It is hidden. But there's so much more to it. You know, we read in our text, there was a quote in verse 12 there. That quote comes from Isaiah 6, all the way back to Isaiah 6 um, in verses 9 and 10, I believe. And in Isaiah, it's concealing the message uh, the concealing the message came in response to the people's repeated and prolonged hardening of their hearts. That's why it was concealed. But, but at the end of Isaiah 6, nevertheless, there's a promise that a remnant would repent and return. And we know that to be true as well. So Jesus' use of this quotation either offers the reason for his teaching in parables, or it describes the result of him teaching in parables. So Scripture points out over and over, Israel failing to produce fruit, Israel failing to be uh, failing and, and being unfaithful, they're failing and being disobedient. Even with warnings from the prophets, his words and instruction fall on deaf ears. Now here Jesus is asserting something, bringing up Isaiah. In his message for that day, he is asserting that God acts in the present as he did in the past. He's not going to change how he feels about the way you uh, follow his word and adhere to his word. So some people are seeing the healings, because here's the problem. In Jesus' time, they're seeing the healings, they're seeing the exorcisms, they're seeing the miracles of Jesus, but they are never perceiving what any of that means, only seeing it. Some are hearing Jesus' message. They're hearing the message of the kingdom of God, listening to his parables, but they are not understanding the presence of the kingdom in Jesus' ministry. I hear it. I don't understand it. The Bible says if they did, they would turn and be forgiven. Doesn't that seem like the solution? Just turn and be forgiven. But they can't see. They can't hear because they're not able to perceive and they're not able to understand. These people, there were people, excuse me, there were people who were blinded by unbelief. Isn't that something? blinded by unbelief, and they saw Jesus as nothing more than a threat. I don't care about His ministry or His miracles. I don't care about the good He's doing and the wonderful things He's saying. That man is a threat, and that's all I will ever see. We're talking about people like that. See, truth was concealed from these. Concealed again, as in the days of Isaiah, spiritual blindness and deafness that come to people, it's God's judgment. God's going to allow you to continue in that. It's His judgment. Rejecting God's revelation as it is expressed by Jesus, they would hear the imagery of the parable, but not understand the spiritual significance in its meaning. So God continued to enable them in this. I love you so much, 
I'm going to let you reject me. I'll let you continue in your ways. And let's face it, the fact that Israel broke God's covenant explains why God's message was met with indifference in the first place. He knew it would be met with indifference. So when people attribute what Jesus says and does to demonic authority, like last week, or to his state of mind, they do not perceive or understand the presence of the kingdom in Jesus' ministry. And this is overlapping last week where the scribes and the Herodians began to plot, plot, because this man is a threat. So Jesus' audience was not denied the opportunity to believe. I need to make sure this is clear. Jesus' audience was not denied the opportunity to believe in him, but as they continued to persistently close their minds to his message, they were excluded from further understanding of it by his use of parables. Although these parables veiled the truth, it's like the very one we read today, just the first four soil types before an explanation is coming, the truth was veiled a bit. But weren't these parables meant to provoke thought? Weren't they meant for you and I to provoke us to think? Weren't they meant to enlighten us and for us to search and discover and ultimately reveal its meaning? Isn't that what a parable is supposed to do, to make us think? What is God saying here? But Jesus knew His parables would have opposite effects on those ready to listen and those not ready. And you know, church family, that that is the truth for today. In our world, there are people prepared and ready to listen, and there are people who are not. And this is why we find the elements of culpability and responsibility. This is why we find these things. Those who have ears to hear, more revelation of the kingdom of God will be given. It's happening to you right now. But for those who do not have ears to hear, even the revelation that has been given will prove to be ineffective. It'll do nothing. As Jesus taught in parables, He invited those who were listening to find the real meaning in these stories, to penetrate the surface of the story. And at the same time, though, He also allowed them the opportunity to turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to the intended meaning. You can turn away. You can reject it. You know, in verse 13, Jesus says to the twelve, if you don't understand this one, how are you going to understand any of the kingdom parables that I teach? So to answer their question, Jesus explains the parable of the sower to them. And for Mark, this parable is key to understanding all of the parables of Jesus. And I get it. I get it. The Word of God falling on the right soil type, the right soil type so that it can grow. I get it. So let's look at the particulars. Look at Mark 4, 14 through 20. The sower sows the Word, and these are the ones along the path where the Word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root. 
in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the Word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the Word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the Word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the Word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Wow. So the twelve asked, and he explained what he had taught to the outsiders. Here's the inside scoop. While the sower is not the primary focus of this parable, we know that it represents Jesus. We know that it represents every faithful minister of his gospel and that the seed is his word. There is a sower, there is a minister of the word, and the seed is the word. We got that. Now, the various soil types represent human hearts. They represent human hearts. We can see that each become more receptive, but nevertheless are not like the good soil, which represents the attentive and accepting heart. So let's talk about the path. The path outside of the treaded uh, and tilled area, the hard impacted path where people walk. The path hears the word. The birds represent Satan. Satan comes and takes away immediately what has been sown. Immediately, just like birds swooping down and eating. It's Satan who takes it away. There is no perception then of the presence of God's authority in Jesus' ministry when that seed is taken away. So those on the path who have a heart hardened like the path, they fall away. We know that's real in our world. By the way, he's preparing these 12 for these four hearts. These are who the apostles will encounter. This is who we encounter. These are the heart conditions. Let's talk about the rocky ground. The rocky ground hears the word. They receive it with joy, but only for a short time. Folks, their response is promising, but their commitment is short-lived because troubles and persecution they come. This is represented by the scorching sun that we heard in the parable. Troubles and persecution come in and they cause it to wither due to the shallow soil. There's no depth to this soil. The roots cannot grow and take hold. They cannot get any nourishment. And this trouble, this stuff that's coming in, it's overwhelming and overpowering. They fall away. Let's talk about the thorny ground. The thorny ground, guess what? They hear the Word. And they grow, but they grow surrounded by thorns who are growing alongside them, right beside them, and they begin to be choked out. Growth stops. They never produce the seed themselves like they were intended. They don't. These thorns, they, they choke them out. They, 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 they were, it was competition for the plant that was growing and ready to produce. Nourishment, nutrients of the soil, it was robbed. The light, it was taken away. And what do, the, what do these represent? Thorns represent uh, the worries of this life, anxieties. 
They, they represent concerns and deceitfulness of wealth. And what I mean by deceitfulness of wealth is wealth gives a false sense of security to people. That's what I'm talking about. Well, the pursuit of material possessions, that the desire for other things chokes their growth. They allow secular values, if you will, to undermine their loyalty to Jesus and the kingdom of God. The secular wins. The result, they are unfruitful and they fall away. And then we end with the good soil, the fourth heart condition here. The good soil hears the Word. Have you noticed every heart condition and every soil type heard the same Word? The good soil hears the Word. The good soil is those who listen, who accept, who acknowledge the presence of the kingdom of God in Jesus' ministry. They produce a crop, varying different yields, right? They bear fruit with varying yields, but they are producing a crop. This heart is open. This heart is receptive to what Jesus is teaching. This heart is neither hard like the path. It's not shallow like the rocky ground. It's not preoccupied like the thorns. So the message, it gets through and it manifests itself in the productive life of the believer. Now, before I conclude, I want to say... This is a reality for us right now. This is a reality for us. I'll use an example of giving. Because some people think, well, let me tell you, <clears throat> I experienced the good soil when I accepted Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Or you wouldn't be here. But the good soil, that heart condition doesn't stop at salvation. It goes beyond belief. It, it's a daily part of our lives as believers. So let's talk about giving, for instance. Giving of yourself in service to this church, giving of your gifts, giving of your money, that'll hit home. Giving of your money. For instance, that seed, the Word of God, that can fall on a path, folks. Did you know that as a Christian, there are many, many things to Scripture. And all these teachings, there are some seed that'll fall on the path. Some will fall on good soil. We have to make sure that our heart is always conditioned and ready as good soil. But giving, for instance, could be a thing. Sacrifice, kindness, even sharing God's Word, these are things that can fall on hard paths. But even for the money part, giving, think about it. Haven't you ever been choked by the thorns? Haven't other things in your life competed with you giving to God? Whether it be service, whether it be time, resources, or money, haven't other things choked you out? Well, this thing's important, and this thing's important, and this thing's important. And we begin to be anxious, and we begin to worry, and we begin to be concerned, and we fall away from the Word of God because of the condition of our heart. It happens with many, many things in Scripture. So I'm trying to show you the relevance of the good soil. It's applicable to us right here, right now. It's not just a one-time deal. So this parable, which focuses on the soil types, provides a framework for interpreting the different responses to Jesus' message. Now, Jesus, His message, folks, it evoked varying responses. It evoked many. Look, look at this. What about the obedience of the 12 that were called, that followed Him? That's a response. What about the crowds, their amazement, their astonishment at this new teaching. He's teaching with such authority. That's a response. What about his family's suspicion of insanity? That too is a response. And of course, the Jewish leaders opposing him. 
the scribes, the Herodians, the Pharisees plotting and getting together, eventually the Roman authorities as well. That is a response. Folks, look at his, let's just look at his disciples. He selected 12 apostles out of these disciples. <clears throat> Again, we're not talking about Judas. We're talking about Matthias who would replace him, the 12. Their hearts, this was seed sown on good soil, good soil. They came to maturity in which they endured persecution, even leading to their deaths, folks, but yet they bear much fruit in their ministry. They bore so much fruit, even enduring persecution up to their deaths. That's soil, good soil. The disciples clearly demonstrate the contrast between insiders and outsiders. And again, you got to decide, where are you at in this? Are you in the car looking at the people dancing going, what in the world? Are you on the outside looking in? Or are you the inside looking out? Now, the three main characters in this parable are the sower sowing seed. There's one. The unfruitful seed that's represented by the three types of bad soil. There's two. And the third one, of course, is the fruitful seed that is represented by the good soil with its levels of yield. Those are our three characters. Jesus proclaims the good news of the coming of the kingdom of God to all soil types, all heart conditions, all heard the word. But there are people who hear his preaching but do not accept it. In fact, they reject it. They do not allow it to penetrate their hearts. They refuse to allow its force to affect and change their lives. There are people like that today. There were people like that in Jesus' time, and his apostles also encountered these kind of hearts. But there are also people who hear his preaching and accept it and are committed to it, becoming followers of Jesus like you and I. You know, it's up to each hearer, even you right now, it's up to each hearer to let the words of Jesus sink in. If a person only hears without responding, without doing something about it and committing him or herself to the meaning, well, then those words are in danger of being lost or never coming to anything, just empty. There's a danger there. If that's the case, then the whole story, this whole story becomes a parable about the learner's responsibility and culpability and about the importance of learning with one's whole will and obedience, not merely with one head, one's head. I can listen to you all day long with just the head and never the heart. You can do the same. In fact, listen to what Luke 8.15 says. Luke 8.15, speaking to the heart and not just hearing with the head. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, Hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. That's you and I enduring and persevering in our daily walk, bearing this fruit. Because what are we doing? We are holding God's word fast and honestly in a good heart. So in closing, our salvation, our maturing in the faith, our, our spiritual growth, our relationship with Jesus, all of these, they don't just come he from hearing the gospel alone. Hear me out. 
They don't just come from hearing the gospel alone, but by proving it in each of our lives. Meaning what we've heard, we are proving in our lives because it has penetrated the heart. And now I'm going to live it. See, the reception of God's word is determined by the condition of one's heart. Even right now, we have multiple heart conditions in the sanctuary. I can guarantee it. I can guarantee it. The, the, the reception of God's word is determined by the condition of one's heart. And the condition of your heart, church family, the condition of your heart will determine your response. So let's pray for good soil. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this parable. I thank you for all of the parables that teach us, Lord. But this one especially, because it is a great, great key for us, Father. It unlocks all of them. Because your word is constantly falling on our soil type, Lord. It's constantly falling on our hearts. And there is a responsibility, Father. You require a response from our hearts, Father. And we can let Satan in and take it away. We can let uh, the shallowness of our soil and the depths not be that strong and not let it take root. Surely, in trouble, persecution come, we can fall away. We can allow competing things in this world, worldly values, the worldly system, Father, to uh, be integrated in how we grow, having two feet in both camps, Lord. I, the world is full of competition, Father, and, and we are vulnerable to that. And then, of course, Lord, there's the heart that hears and accepts, lets it penetrate deep within, where we hold it inside and let it, we live it out, Father. We let that shine through in our lives. And that's what I'm praying for, God. In this walk, where we know we'll have troubles, where we know we will carry burdens, in this life, Father, where we know there's going to be issues, I am praying for good, strong hearts, Father, that the soil is accepting of your word and it allows the seed to be sown. I'm praying for my heart. And I'm praying for everyone in here, Lord, that we allow your word to be sown in our hearts so that we can prove it to others by living it out in our lives, Father. This parable is amazing. It's amazing to realize that any time I can have a hardened heart towards something in your word. And Father God, I'm asking you to release me of that. I'm asking you to release this flock of yours of that. Let us be good soil, Father. Help us strive always to let your word be sown in our hearts. That's my prayer for this church. That's my challenge for this church along with myself. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have given us, Lord. You've given us such great instruction, such great teachings, Father. I pray that we absorb it, that we absorb it, and that we live it. I pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.